0: Howdy Disco citizens and welcome to the Metaphorical Boats podcast. I'm your captain, Christopher McBride. The Metaphorical boat is a podcast in which we sit down with our favourite musicians to talk about their music, their inspirations and most importantly, What a favourite pastry is. Our guest on the Metaphorical Boat podcast today is Lauren Bird. Lauren Bird is a Strabane based singer, slash songwriter, slash ukulele enthusiast who, in between making a name for herself on local scene and scoring film soundtracks, has found time to release her debut album, The In Between, in 2017. Lauren, thanks a lot for coming on the Metaphorical Boat. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, we'll be talking about your music in a second, but firstly, all our guests on the Pod Podcast get a drink and pastry of their choice. So Lauren, what have you gone for today?
1: I've gone for a uh, jam danish. I think it's a solid choice. Oh, I have to try and avoid dairy, so I can't have anything with cream, which breaks my heart. Oh, that,
0: oh that would be so tough for me. And uh, I, I've gone for the usual, which is a, a, nice, a nice cup of coffee and, of course, Battenberg's. Cause I'm
1: you, on that soy milk life anyway. Yeah,
0: so you can't go wrong with that. So first question. Who is Lauren Bird?
1: I guess I am a 25-year-old songwriter from Stravan. Uh, I try and just write things as honestly as possible, and I play the ukulele so that things sound a bit less depressing than they actually are. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's probably the best description of it.
0: <laughs> when, when did you first get into uh, songwriting and performing? What kind of sparked it off for you?
1: I can't recall a moment in my life, honestly, where I wasn't doing something with music. Like, there's photos of me at, like, three with, like, a piano. Like, couldn't play it, but <laughs> I thought I could. Um, and then, for the longest time, when I was a teenager, um, Stravan has a really big band scene. So everyone I knew was trying to get in bands, being bands, whatever, and I always just listen to bands, like I didn't really listen to songwriters or anything, so um, I used to just play like guitar in a band, I played bass in a band sang in a band and then after a while you kind of realise that people don't always have the same ambition, so I was like I feel like maybe I need to kind of do it myself but that was a big fear um, and I started playing up here in a band just uh, when I was at uni just me and my two friends and we would like sing and whatever one of them is actually doing stuff now Emer McGuire Oh yeah. so we would sing together and then uh, after a while we just kind of started doing our own thing I went to a singing teacher and she started to kind of push me into well why aren't you singing why aren't you singing your own songs um, and so she would like set me little goals like oh go and play an open mic this week hand your business card out that kind of way um, and then it just sort of went from there really.
0: So when did you start pe- performing under your own name just as yourself?
1: I think it must have been sometime in 2013. I think the first like gig that I got that wasn't an open mic was supporting, you know, Scream Blue Murmur? Uh, and I think that was October 2013 because every so often I get like a little notification, you know, like yeah. every year on Facebook and I'm like, oh. So I guess almost four years but it's, like, it's not, like, Lorne Bird's not even my real name, like, so I feel like I'm not singing under my own name. It's just that everyone says McGeough as McGough, and yeah. that drives me insane. <laughs>
0: Although I think it's good to have that distance between yourself and that, because it, it's almost like a different character. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. My middle name is Breach, spelt the Irish way, so like bri Fada yeah. d um, uh, but no one could say that, obviously, as well. So then I was like, I'll just switch the I and the R around, yeah. and... <laughs> It made it a little bit easier.
0: So whenever you started songwriting, did you start on the ukulele or were you playing the guitar?
1: Uh, guitar. I played, I've been playing guitar, like, since I was 10. Um, I think I got a ukulele maybe when I was 15 or 16. But I don't even remember, like, like I don't remember the first time I ever wrote a song. But I, I always wrote on the guitar for the most part. Like, whenever I put that first EP out, I think all of them were written on the guitar and then some transferred to the UK. Um, Whereas this time around... Everything but one was written on the uk so that I think Thoughts is the only one on the album that doesn't have any uke on it because there's just yeah. no way of putting that on there.
0: So whenever you play live it's mainly the ukulele, why did you decide to move over to the ukulele?
1: I have the tiniest hands. I'm like five foot zero. Like I never grew, And I have the hands of like a seven year old. Um, so whenever I played guitar and piano, uh, I kept getting repetitive strain injury. So I had to like try and find something smaller that I could play and not like hurt my hands all the time. So I had a ukulele, like one of those little cheap like soprano yeah. ones. And I was kind of playing that for a while. And then I got like a little concert one like, a year or two after that. And then I finally settled on the tenor one, which is what I play now, which is slightly bigger and has a bit of a fuller sound, but it's still small.
0: Is it very dif- different playing guitar to the ukulele? I know there's two lower Less strings, out. but in, in terms of can you do as much on the ukulele as you can on a guitar?
1: I think people that are good at it probably can. Part of me likes the way, like that, it limits it in a way, because um, sometimes you can get really carried away with like, you know, the background when when for me really it's all about lyrics. So the uke doesn't really limit it that way but then I do write the odd song on guitar um, and there's a couple of songs I've been writing recently kind of on the guitar that I'm like I'm going to have to start carrying a massive guitar around with me now as yeah. well or buy one of those like tiny little Ed Sheeran ones yeah. <laughs> and go with that. I'm not sure what to do.
0: So whenever you started picking up the ukulele, did you learn all the ukulele standards like the somewhere over the rainbow and you, you didn't, um, go, didn't go as far as George Formby?
1: I didn't go as far as George Formby. No. Though so many people talk to me about George and I'm like, I know, <laughs> but I like don't listen to George Formby. Yeah. I did do somewhere over the rainbow. I think yeah, like, uh, uh, I did it for my A level multi track because I didn't do composition. I did like multi track recording, and that's the song that I did. Yeah. But I, I kind of like really got into the yuck from there was a songwriter on YouTube called Julian Nunes. And she played like I found her through like a Weezer cover that she'd done, <laughs> and I was like, "God, the ukulele sounds so fun!" And that's why I bought it. But then, like after a while, then obviously it just became sort of my instrument and not just like a novelty.
0: I think I think you were probably the first person I saw like playing the ukulele as a main instrument. Yeah, so it's I think... normally
1: like one or two songs, and then back to the guitar or the piano or whatever. I but uh, for me, it's just yeah. it's so much lighter to carry as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in in terms of your music, who would have been the big influences on you as you were starting out?
1: Like most of my teenage life, uh, I was listening to bands last night. I was a Paramore, which is why my voice oh, sounds yeah. like this. Um, Paramore is like one of my favorite bands. Uh, I really liked pop punk, like emo yeah. stuff, stuff, <laughs> um, which is probably why my lyrics are so like depressing. Um, <laughs> nope. I loved like Sum 41. Um, I remember like Avril Lavigne being a really big thing <laughs> at one point, just being like, oh my God, a girl is playing rock music. <laughs> Uh, obviously what I discovered no doubt that was a
0: yeah
1: uh in Paramore uh but Green Day were like pinnacle of everything I feel like I only listened to Green Day for a solid five years (laughs) and I'm still finding like random photos about my room where I've like printed them out terribly (laughs) and stuck them in places but I think in terms of like more recent uh uh, I really 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 love Paul Simon I really love Feist I really love Brian Wilson I really love Regina Spector, Sarah Brellis Ingrid Michaelson, and I think the the thing that really pushed me into songwriting was actually seeing other songwriters on YouTube, yeah. not necessarily like people that were in the charts because it was for a long time there wasn't really songwriters on the charts. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was like country stars had it, but I wasn't yeah. really into country. And uh, I mean, Ed Sheeran's probably the one big songwriter that's come out in a while. Like uh, yeah. But seeing, like, songwriters that were kind of, you know, making music that I really enjoyed, and it wasn't something that I had ever listened to before. As I say like, Julia Nunes, there was, like a, uh, there was a girl called Lauren O'Connell, who I'm obsessed with, Danielle at The Sandwich. She's another ukulele, like, songwriter and stuff. And yep. so, like, seeing people doing that, and they weren't necessarily, like, signed to a label or anything, I was like, oh, maybe I could do that. And that's kind of how I started putting YouTube videos up, like, under, like, a secret... A thing when I was like seventeen, because I hate just the idea of anyone knowing that I actually yeah. played music was so scary. Like um, I knew uh, that that's always what I wanted to do, and when I was young, if someone asked me what I wanted to do, I would have said Britney Spears, not do Britney yeah. Spears, but be Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, but I uh, just sort of saw that and thought I'll try that, and I started writing songs, and then kind of now I'm doing this yeah. a bit more.
0: This this is probably the the big big question. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite ever song?
1: I heard you ask in a go in Denver on this podcast, this, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm never gonna be able to answer that." And it's like been in the back of my mind since like I heard you ask it, and I'm like, "It's it's truly impossible." Like I think yes. it's the most impossible question, um, and also because like I don't, I haven't had a Beatles phase yet. Yeah, it's not that I don't appreciate the Beatles. It's not <laughs> that I don't think the Beatles are great. It's just that I have not. Like I find when people tell me to listen to something, I'm not yep. like I I do the complete opposite because I want to discover something myself. Yeah. Um. Not that I'll ever discover the Beatles but on my own, <laughs> but um. Who are this band? Have you heard of the Beatles? I don't necessarily know it's my favorite song. I wouldn't listen to it all the time, but it's this song called "A Better Son Slash Daughter" by Rilo Kylie. Um. It's like a really quite frank story of depression but it, it's like uplifting in the same in the same way and I remember the first time I heard that I was like whoa like the people like can so openly talk about that whenever I'm particularly down I have like a playlist like I, I find music so emotional that like I, I can be so down about something and then listen to a playlist and slowly kind of build myself back up like that's how I use music I guess and that song's always in those playlists Because I think not a lot of people are talking as openly as they should about things. I feel like everyone has gone through or knows someone who's gone through depression or anxiety and things like that. And I just was like, right, well, this is kind of how I'm feeling. So I can't pretend.
0: So your first EP, that came out 2014. What sort of reception did you get off the back of that?
1: That, that EP was really, like, weird because I had all these songs and I was playing them a little bit, but I was still very much in the midst of, like, terif- being terrified to play. Um, and my parents, had for Christmas, got, like, they knew this guy in Stravan um, and they had bought me, like, a voucher to record sex songs or something like that. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Like, it'll be okay. And so, but I also was very, like, I want to do everything myself, like I want everything to be like from me, um, so like I played every instrument to its detriment on that album <laughs> except um, the drums, which my friend did. Um, yeah, I recorded it and I put it out um, and at the time I just put it out for free because I was like, who's going to really, no one knows me and I thought maybe if I put it out for free then it would encourage people to try the first one and then if I put something else out later they might want to pay for that one. Um, and it went It went really well, like um, it went to the number one on the acoustic band camp chair and stuff, which was like, I was like, how did that happen? Yeah. Like, uh, and so that I think off the back of that, it really did make me feel like I knew what I was doing, kind yeah. of.
0: And I think it was that, that EP is how I came across you because mm. you, were, you were playing gig, it was like a competition gig in Dawson's. Yeah. And uh, actually, that's right. I saw you playing at it, you did Goodbye, Good Luck.
1: And I forgot which... to plug my uke in because I was so nervous. Oh, <laughs> I
0: forgot about that. And you also did an absolutely lovely version of Price of My Radiohead, which yeah. was. What other covers have you done live? I know from Teeny Live you do God Only Knows, Speech Boys, mm-hmm. and also All Apologies, Nirvana. Are there yeah. any other covers that you tried to use um, in your set?
1: There have been some that have not lasted the <laughs> test of time. Um, I think I did, like, I feel like I did Elastic Heart by Sia for a while. I mean, I, I, if I don't really connect to a song, I won't do it, um, which is why, for the most part, I don't even really do covers on my set, but I really love All Apologies, and I love playing that now that every so often I get to play with a band, because now yeah. I feel like... I feel like I'm Kurt Cobain, yeah. um, and I just love, I just love. God only knows, like it's the best song ever written. Maybe I should have answered, but with that, yeah. when you asked me what my favorite song was. The
0: question I'd like to ask because I be familiar with like, the Belfast music scene and a little bit about Derek. But what's the Strabane music scene like? Is there a Strabane music scene?
1: There was. See, when I was growing up, like uh, in Straban, I think that's why there's so much music that comes out of Strabane like, from people, like, my age and a wee bit older, because there was, like, a massive Battle of the band scene. Like, people would come from, like, Oma and Dairy and stuff all in Distriban and do, like, these Battle of Bands. I was never part of them. I just watched. And then we have, like, a bar called Dicey's. It's, like, a really, like, it was a bar that you could go to and they would play, like, Nirvana. Do you know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't play what was on the radio. And all my friends, like, us in our little, like, emo pop-punk days were, like, I'm not going to, like a nightclub, I <laughs> would be caught dead in the nightclub. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people went to that bar, you know, because they really loved music. Like, people go out because, you know, to dance or whatever, but when you go to bars like that, you go because you want to hear those songs, like, and from that, there was Battle of Bands for a while, and then they kind of uh, filtered off. In terms of now, there's like a open mic that happens just in the summer, but um, do you know Darren Doherty from- uh, uh, Northern Light? Light, yeah. He has just started, um, like, a songwriter night in Dicey's so it's like you kind of sing some of your own songs and then sing songs from people that really inspired you and so that's really good like because I got to, I, I played at that and stuff and it's nice then to see other songwriters in Straban get together and like do it that way so we're, we're trying yeah. we're trying but I think like a lot of music comes out of Straban yeah. like it's just that no one comes to Straban to hear it Sadly, yeah. like, like we have to go elsewhere
0: Apart from yourself, I think the only ones that kind of sprung to minds would have been uh, Those Ghosts mm-hmm. and Freaks.
1: Yeah, those are both brilliant bands and like the nicest people. Like they have both like had me as like support acts and stuff around the town and stuff, which has been really nice. Then uh, Emer McGuire has like come out of Sturban recently. Oh, there's loads like a Northern Light, obviously. Yeah. Mickey Joe Hart. Yeah. Came 11th in Eurovision.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that In song. like
1: 2K3 or something. Oh, yeah.
0: No, I remember that. That was actually we a great song. It
1: was a great song. We've got the world tonight. It's still If it's still played at parties in Strabant, people yeah. still love it. Yeah, there is. I think like there'll be more as well. Like, I have a couple of guitar students that are like teenagers that are starting to write music and sing, and I'm just like, whoa, Like fair play to you. I couldn't have sang to someone else at 14, like my own songs. I'd say I'd say we have a good future. Yeah,
0: well, it sounds good. I'll have to get up to Strabant on some point. It sounds like there's a good thing happening there. yeah,
1: yeah. I recently got in a in a midst of idiocy booked a headline show in our local theater and then was like, why have I done that? Like (laughs) I'm never gonna sell that out, Um, or even half fill the place probably. Um, But then I was like, you know, like I play I've played around Belfast for so long and like this like the album release up here did so well. I was like, I really would like to play like a decent gig at home, and I really wanted I would have really done one in Diceys, but it's not all ages. It's a pub, and I have like you know. Younger cousins and family friends and guitar students and stuff that really wanted to come. So I was like, I'll do that, but we'll see where that goes. <laughs> we have um, another month to promote it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: I've also scored a film as well. hit That convert.
1: I have a friend in London. Her name's Karis Rianne, and if you want to check out her films, it's Rianne Pictures. Um. <laughs> we just always like she always really loved film. She always wanted to be make films, and I always wanted to make music. And so, she kind of started making these short films and asked me what I do like. Um, some music for them and at the time at uni I was doing like electroacoustic composition and stuff was like my portfolio and things like that so I really liked composing music and I love film like films like n- just a little bit underneath music in terms of my loves like so I always wanted to score films and so she let me score two of her short films and then she did a feature length but no it came it came out really well and it like got picked up in some like festivals all over the place yeah. and um I got to go over to the screening and stuff and, like, meet all the cast and stuff, and it was really nice, like, but... Basically, wanted to make... Um, do you know The Social Network? Yeah. I just really wanted to make, like, the soundtrack to The Social yeah. Network. I love that, like, I love the score yeah. to that film.
0: It's, it's funny, because originally the opening credits, they would have used the song Love of the Common People. Right? Yeah, so... Ween for the love of the common people. That was originally what he wanted as the opening credit and I'm going to completely change the tone yeah, the of the film. the whole
1: tone would be that. I didn't know that. I'm so glad they didn't do that. Oh, yeah. I love the opening. Oh, it, like, it oh, it's so beautiful. I'm going to watch The Social Network tonight. Yeah. <laughs> would, would that be your favourite
0: uh, film score?
1: My favourite film score is Michael Giacchino's one for Up. I oh, love nice. that. Because it's like one theme, but he like does it in so many ways that it's like you laugh and then you're crying at, at, at the same melody. I'm like, doo-doo-dum, yeah. doo-doo-dum, oh, it's great. Or Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I think for me, possibly Assassination of Jesse James. Mm-hmm. It's got a lovely soundtrack in a cave, Warren Else did it. 2017 was a big year for Lauren Bird because you released your debut album, The In Between. It was, it was all crowdfunded, which mm-hmm. was pretty good. Were you expecting to get so much support whenever the crowdfunding happened? Because I think it actually went over the target.
1: Had I expected it, I would have done it like a year earlier. I really wanted to release something in 2016, like, I really did. Although I'm glad I didn't, like, because that year is kind of... People really yeah, it's, don't it's like that year. Quite, I was like, quite a tough year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had met Cormac at this London showcase gig and he, he kind of had very similar taste to music and he was like just like oh I'd heard you in the Empire and I really liked it and we started talking about like the moldy peaches and she and him and things like that and I was like oh this guy like really like gets what I like um and he said oh do you want to come and view the studio and I was like all right sure and then I kind of forgot about it for a little bit and then I went um I went up and I saw it and I was like whoa like this is like what I imagine a studio to be and so we just got on really well uh, and he said let's just crowdfund it see what happens and so we did and, and so like seeing people actually donate was a lot, like I was just like you know there's other things that you could do with your money like I don't understand why people are doing that and it took a while to like really settle that people just wanted to help whenever it went over the goal, I was just like, how, how, like, I don't know, like, but I also forgot then, that, like, some of that was to do with, like, some of that was for printing, and like, doing all the other rewards up, and then I just blew that budget, yeah. and then I blew, like, everything else that I had saved, and then was like, uh-oh, I have to print these CDs now, and so, like, basically, I almost bankrupted myself for a while there, but I think, in the end, I was, it was worth it, because I never expected to have an album sound like the musicians that played on the album like we had like uh peter mckinney and nikki scott like nikki scott used to be van morrison's musical director and things Mm. so like peter mckinney used to play for like the water boys and stuff so like to have those musicians come on and like like the songs as well it was like a good sign and i like secretly was like i would love it to be kind of like graceland (laughs) yeah and then like i didn't say that to anyone and then like all the rhythms and stuff like it's i love that the album's not like your typical like four on the floor or whatever like there's loads of like interest and drum beats there's like i can't even play the bass parts honestly i've tried i had to tab them out for my friend mark who's playing bass for me and it took me like longer than it should have and yeah so like the fact that it was crowdfunded and i had that opportunity to be able to make what i wanted to make and more really like i didn't start the album thinking it was going to end like that and i'm I'm really am so proud of it like which is hard for me to say because i uh I'm not the best at patting myself on the back. Do you
0: have the entire album written before you recorded or were there some songs that came to you during the recording sessions?
1: I think everything was written before. Some of them were written like literally in July. And then I probably wrote, I think the last songs for the album were the In Between Thoughts and Oh No. I think they were like the last ones. And there was a couple that I'd also like wrote that I thought were going to go on the album and then I didn't put them on the album. I had intended to just record 11 and then I ended up recording 16 and then had to like try to cut it down. I was trying to cut it to 12 but it, I just felt it was cohesive at 14 and it kind of told the message that I wanted to say. But Thoughts uh, was one on the album that wasn't really supposed to go on the album. Like yeah. I had written it and was like I really like this song but I don't imagine that I could ever play it for anyone. Um, And we were kind of was like "If you got anything like slightly different you know like anything maybe a different sound just so that we have a little bit more variation on the album and i was like i have this one song i don't know if i should and he's like just play it just play it so i kind of played it for him and he immediately was like oh like that's it like that's the one go upstairs and like record <laughs> that and the other one that day was uh, "Sunday," someday which ends the album so i really love thoughts now like it's probably my favorite when i listen to it but at, yeah. at the same time i'm like oh anyone who knows me that's like heard those lyrics, yeah, it's kind of scary, like,
0: yeah no, <laughs> it, it, It's funny when we're talking about almost being forced to record that song, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge. That was never, suppo- that was never supposed to be recorded. Really? In fact, it was never supposed to actually be a song. Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer of mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers, basically he was he was having issues and was writing poetry. Right. And the producer basically stole his poetry book mm-hmm. and they came across this poem Under the Bridge and said, this is a great, great poem, you need to put this yeah. music. Yeah. And then they put it to music. And the bridge
1: is like my favourite yeah. Bridge I've ever
0: song. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, it was never meant to be a single, it was meant to be like an album track. But basically, mm-hmm. they were, and once the album had been recorded, they were doing their first gig. And oh, he, for, he, he forgot he forgot the single lyrics, but the entire crowd sang along. And they said, If your entire crowd sings along to a song that's just been released, mm. that's the single. Yeah, yeah. And it's more or like less the most famous song.
1: Did All Saints cover that?
0: They did, yes. <laughs>
1: What a weird I know, turn I, of events! I,
0: I, I, the weird, like you think, like they're like a teen a team pop group, and then record under the bridge a song about doing heroin.
1: Oh, I
0: <laughs> no, actually, but but honestly, but I think they're a great pop see, band. They, I, like pure the beach, yeah, pure shores is one of the best pop songs ever.
1: They are good. Like I love, yeah. I love pop music though. Like I love pop music. People <laughs> think that it's not cool to love pop music. I love that you love pop music. Yeah. Like pop music is so good. Like yeah. I mean, some of it's. Crap, but bo- if you li- find the good stuff. Yes, I just I always like grew up loving pop music. Like people used to not take my opinion seriously at university because they had found out that I had seen Justin Bieber in concert, and not when it was like cool yeah. to see Justin Bieber, like when it was like his second album and he'd released um Boyfriend. What? Okay. <laughs> but I was like, he's so cute, <laughs> and his fellow is so sweet, and like I. Like I think Harry Styles put out a brilliant album, but people don't want to say it's brilliant because it's Harry Styles.
0: But I must say, the first single off that album, that is like for former teen star, mm. release first ticket It's actually a very adventurous single. Mm. Like it's so good. It's like Pink Floyd song
1: more or less. It's really good. I got my Harry Styles tickets for, Three Arena the other day, and I'm very excited.
0: <laughs> so from from the album, do you have a favorite song? You mentioned you mentioned thought. Is there any other songs that really
1: um, stick out to you? I really like it's okay at the end as well. I really like those two together. They were always the two that were solid on the track list. They came, like, uh, It's Okay came always. was coming after thoughts. We're really like, oh no. And I really like what ha- what, what we did with I Wonder because it was not a slow piano ballad whenever I brought it into the studio. I had done this really fast version of it. And then I listened to it and I was like, I don't like this song. Maybe we'll just, like, not put this on the album. And then Cormac was like, why don't we just try it, like, softer? Why don't I just play the piano and you sing it and see what happens? Um, and then I was like, oh okay i like it now like the same thing happened with the way out i like really was like because that was obviously on the ep before but i didn't think that i had done it justice in terms of my vocals especially on the ep so we re-recorded that and again i was about like i don't know and then basically i if you put piano on something i will like it i guess is what happened with those two songs i like all of the songs but i those are probably my favorites
0: well, I think my favourite song on the album I like Things that things I'm Good At I think, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. that almost didn't make the album Ooh, did I, I kept being like I don't think I don't know and then everyone was like what are you talking about put that on that's like the, the opener that should be yeah. the opener and I was like oh, okay my, like my singing teacher was like you need to stop being so self-deprecating yeah. <laughs> you need to like next week you need to bring in a list of things that you're good at so then I tried to make a list of things that I was good at and then I wrote the most self-deprecating <laughs> song but she was like it's a good song so you're, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you off
0: and then I also do like I Wonder I love the I think the chord progression, I want is probably one of my favourite chord progressions. Mm-hmm. It's like similar to the song Over and Done With by The Proclaimers. No. It's, it's kind of got a similar chord progression. Oh really? But I, but I love that chord progression. Just, and then uh, the, the Way Out, which mm-hmm. I think it's, it's picked up a bit of, yeah. a bit of love recently.
1: I wasn't expecting that either, actually. Like, the way, it was never really meant to be a single, but then the video became such a happy accident because a girl I met at the studio, Gina, she does animation, so she was over from Columbia doing, like, an internship with the studio, trying to, like, better her English and, like, help out with all that kind of stuff, and she'd made this little animation for a uh, university. And Cormac called me and was like, I've just seen this thing that Gina's made, and it's, like, about a girl trying to find her way out. And I, just bear with me, <laughs> I'd be like... And I was like, oh, send it over, and then... <laughs> so we had a video for it so like I guess then I should just put that out
0: so it wasn't the song wasn't made for the video but no but it just suits so well yeah
1: that's like I was like I couldn't believe whenever I saw it I was like this is like this is weird like <laughs> she'd never heard the song before she'd made it like um, and she was so happy to like let me have it and I was ugh, still so grateful about it but yeah it did really well and fresh on the net this week and stuff yeah. which is cool because I've sent uh, numerous songs in before like this is the first one that's actually had like a little bit of yeah. uh, praise so
0: how's the album gone down so far
1: it's kind of done what i wanted to do slightly here anyway and uh, that i wanted people to like take me a bit seriously about what i was trying to do in the hopes of trying to get better gigs being able to support Joshua burnside and the empire is like probably because i made that album do you know what i mean i probably wouldn't have been asked to be on that lineup if i hadn't yeah it's done it's done pretty well in terms of like what i wanted to do so far obviously it's very early days and i would like it to do a lot better, but I suppose it's like in terms of like setting the groundwork for what I want to do, yeah. um, and in ter- it, I think it's a good um example of like what I'm about and what I'm trying to achieve and what I can achieve if given the opportunity. So
0: yeah, and so what's next for Lauren bird You've released the album. What do you think's the next thing?
1: I guess I'm trying to gig more. I'm try. I would love to do like a little tour at some point. Um, around. I played in uh, London and Manchester and Liverpool before, which was really nice, and I would like to do a bit more over there and a bit more down south. Um, I played a couple gigs in Dublin after the album came out that were really nice and maybe try and get... A, I would have liked to have done a bit more festivals this year. I have not got on any lineups, I don't think, <laughs> as yeah. of yet. So I just really want to gig more. Uh, I would love to do a little tour. or I mean, I would love to be picked up as a support act for somebody. Yeah. But that's kind of hard, especially when you don't have a manager and stuff, like you're doing a lot yourself. But yeah, I just want to keep going. Like uh, the dream is obviously to do it full time. Um, So I'm just kind of at the minute putting money away to like either make another video or do a tour or record more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: So Lauren, thanks a lot for coming on the Metaphorical Boat. And if people want to find a bit more about you, how would they go about doing that?
1: Um. So you can find all of my music basically if you go on my website laurenbirdmusic.com there's links to all the music where you can buy the cd where it's on spotify itunes all that kind of stuff and all my social media and everything's on there as well
0: that's great lauren thanks a lot for coming in Uh, i've been chris mcbride the captain of the metaphorical boat don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on itunes and you can visit the blog at (laughs) www.metaphoricalboat.com